0: We're continuing to preach in the Gospel of John chapter 11. Chapter 11 is a kind of midpoint in the Gospel, chapter 11 and 12, because Jesus will transition between His public ministry and the last week of His life. That's what John does here. John has a specific purpose when he wrote the Gospel of John. It's found in Chapter 20 and verse twenty-one, he's, uh, 31, he says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. There's not only a specific purpose, but there is a structure that God uses as he leads John to write this gospel account. It's structured around seven signs or miracles, seven sermons or discourses, and seven I am statements. These are the great I am statements that Jesus makes in John's gospel. Let me say them to you. In John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. In John 10, he says, I'm the door of the sheep. And later in John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. In this text, in chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And by the way, no man comes to the Father except by me. In John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. We're at the midpoint, as I said, and in John chapter 11, Jesus has this dialogue with Martha. Now, last week, as Pastor Ben preached, he preached about the idea that God's perspective is much different from our perspective. He preached about Jesus' perspective being much different than that of the disciples. And wouldn't you agree? But as we come to our time this morning, I want to bring you up to date of where we are. Mary and Martha send word to Jesus, listen, our brother, the one who you love, they thought they'd throw that in just for good measure, the one that you love is sick and he's near death. In other words, it's a sound to Jesus, hey, listen, come quickly, because we know as long as there is life, there is hope. But rather than going quickly to Bethany, Jesus decides to stay two more days. And he tells his disciples, listen, because I love them, I'm not going to go quickly. And, of course, that kind of thinking is is so different from the way we think. We'd hurry up and go, but Jesus decides to wait. When they arrive, they find that Lazarus is indeed dead, and he's been in the tomb for four days. I mean, this guy's really dead. In fact, his body began to decay and decompose at this point. So rather than hurrying to go, he decides to wait. And this chapter I timed together today will be between a dialogue between Martha and Jesus. I want you to look at it in verse 21. Notice, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Look at verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will live again, will rise again, he said. Martha said to him, Lord, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Isn't that a great promise? Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Martha said, yes, Lord. She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. My goal this morning is simply this. I want to help you understand and realize the certainty of death so that you will believe in Jesus and find life in His name. I want to help you realize the certainty of death. We're all going to die. So that you will believe in Jesus and find life in His name. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we ask that you open our eyes to behold wondrous truth. What a worship service we've had. Lord, we've celebrated. And God, you're so good. Thank you, Lord, for bringing our pastor and the team back from California, from the Shepherds Conference. Lord, I know, can't wait to hear about all that they've experienced there. But, Lord, in this hour, we want you to visit us. We want you to speak to us. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous truth from your word, and we'll give you praise and glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice the problem of sickness and death. The problem of sickness and death. In verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. As I said earlier, it's been four days. Lazarus has been in the tomb. His body began to decay and decompose. And it was a belief among the Jewish people at this time that the spirit of a dead person would hover over the body for three days. Perhaps that's why John included this in his account, because it had been four days, and we realize that Lazarus is dead, really dead. Death is something we don't like to talk about, right? In fact, we talk about all kinds of things, but we don't talk about death we're uncomfortable you know it's amazing in our culture people are comfortable about talking about many things they're open to talking about lots of things maybe too open those things that they talk about were unspeakable in time past sexuality gender identity, all these different things we bought into as a culture, all these things. We never talk about these things, but now people are talking about them. But listen, I want to tell you something people are still uncomfortable about talking about, and that's the fact that we're all going to die. That's not a pleasant thought. Why don't people talk about it? Well, maybe it's because of the mystery of death. You see, apart from the Word of God, we really don't understand what happens after death. We don't like to talk about it because we don't understand it. And I want you to see in this account, Martha saw death as a final thing. As long as there was life, if Jesus would come, she would rescue, he would rescue her brother and he would be healed. She believed that Jesus could heal her sick brother. But now that he's dead, what could Jesus do? There's a finality in death. And that's indicated in what she says in verse 21. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But there's a tinge of hope maybe in verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. See, the truth is, we're all going to die. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how happy you are. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. You and I have an appointment with death. Hebrews says it this way, verse 9, uh, chapter 9 and verse 27, And just as it appointed for a man to die once, and after that the judgment... Death is a weighty subject, right? I saw this week, uh, Pastor Ben shared it with me, something that was written on a tombstone in England. And it says, see if I can remember it. It says, please now, stranger, as you pass me by, As I once was, no, excuse me, uh, as you are now, so once was I. As I once was, you soon shall be, so prepare for death and follow me. And then scribbled below it, it says, I'm not content to uh, to follow you. I'm not content until I know which way you went. So if I would have said it right, it would have been more funny. To follow you I'm not content until I know which way you went. So he wasn't willing to follow him until he knew where he was going. And the truth is, we're all going to die. You know, the Scriptures talk about death. The Scriptures talk about the brevity of life. Notice in Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Moses said in Psalm 90, he said, The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. The span of them is but toil and trouble, They are soon gone, the Scripture says, and we fly away. James said it this way. He said, your life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. The truth is, we're going to die. But listen, we have great hope in the gospel. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we have great hope? In the gospel of Jesus Christ. After all, he is the one who abolished death, Paul told Timothy, and brought to life, uh, brought light to life and immortality through the gospel. Jesus gives us life, and we all struggle with this problem of death. The second thing I want you to see in this scripture is this, it's not only the problem of death, but I want you to see the problem of Jesus' delay. The problem of Jesus' delay. Can you imagine how Martha may have felt? She was hoping beyond hope that Jesus would somehow come and rescue them from their situation and save the day. She believed that if Christ would come, quickly before her brother had died he could heal her and all would be heal him and all would be well but jesus didn't come i wonder if she felt this way why didn't he come i wonder does jesus really care Maybe you've felt that way before. Does Jesus really care? Listen, I tell you what, it's hard to be in God's waiting room. And many of you are there right now. You're praying, you're believing, you're trusting. All to no avail. But listen, I want to tell you something. Even though you're waiting... God is working. Do you know that? Even though you've been waiting, you've been in the waiting room, God's waiting room, He's working. And I'm learning that when I'm waiting, these are not signs of indifference, but expressions of God's love. Here's what you've been praying. You've been praying for God to heal someone dear to you. You've been praying that God would bring back a wayward child. You've been praying that God would restore a broken relationship. You've been praying for those who are experiencing grief and are suffering even now. And you're saying, God, take it away. You're praying that God would heal some folks who are suffering right now with a sickness perhaps that's incurable, and if God doesn't move, they're not going to live. Why doesn't God answer prayer? Or we feel that he doesn't, but he is answering. He says yes. He says no. Sometimes he says wait. Wait. Listen, when you're in the waiting room, you're in a good place. You know why? Because you can trust the Father's heart. You can trust Him. He's working all things out for good, for your good and for His glory. The Puritans used to call this the mystery of providence. The mystery of providence. And there are times, I believe, when God wants to wrestle, wants us to wrestle with these things in our mind. Open your Bible to Romans eight, twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Let's look at this mystery of providence. Here's a beautiful promise in the Word of God, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also did predestine to become conformed to the image of of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes God keeps us in His waiting room because He's working out all things for our good, for his glory and even though we can't see it even though we don't understand it while we're waiting god is working and we've got to trust him ben touched on this last week but i wanted to mention it briefly we've got to trust god even when we're waiting Henry Blackaby said it this way. He said, desperate prayer is answered prayer. Keep on waiting on God. Keep on believing. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Didn't Jesus tell us? Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek and you'll find. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. The last thing I want you to see in this passage is this. There's not only the problem with death and delay, but I want you to see the promise of Jesus. Here's where it gets really good. The promise of Jesus. Notice verse 23. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. In the resurrection on the last day. I know that. But Jesus is going to make this amazing statement. Look at it in verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What a promise! Listen, we don't see death as the end. We see death as the beginning of a new life in glory with Jesus. Amen? And as I studied this week, I looked at the Bible expositors' commentary, and they pointed out that Jesus, in this statement, transforms resurrection in three ways. You see, the Old Testament saints didn't have a clear picture, nor was it complete, of resurrection. They believed, the Orthodox people believed that one day, on the last day, the body would be raised to life. But Jesus, in this statement, makes it complete. He makes it crystal clear. Listen. I'm going to transform this thing. I'm going to transform it in three ways. The first way is this, and if you're taking notes, you want to jot it down. The first way is he brings it out of the shadows into the light. He brings it out of the shadows into the light. What are you saying? I'm telling you that the Old Testament teaching of death and resurrection was not complete. It wasn't clear, but Jesus made it clear. Crystal clear. He brought it out of the shadows into the light. Paul told Timothy listen, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel account is this Jesus died, Jesus was buried, but guess what? Jesus came back from the dead. Shakespeare called death that undiscovered country for whose traveler will never return. Jesus Christ, when he died and was buried, when he rose again, he went to that undiscovered country, and he came back to tell us about it. Listen, there's life in my name. There's life in Jesus. So he brought it out of the shadows into the light. The second thing he did was he moved it from a written page to a living person. And aren't you so glad he did? John said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the written page. But guess what? The written page declares that there's one name, Jesus who is the living word. Huh. Living word, church, right? Amen. Jesus is in our midst, isn't he? He's alive. And he gives life to all who believe in him. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, what he'll do is he'll give you life. Life in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He not only brought it out of the shadows into the light, he not only took it from the written page to a living person, but here's what he did. He moved it from being a future event to a present reality. Martha, you don't understand. I'm not talking about what's going to happen in the last day. I'm talking about here and now. And next week, we're going to see that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, Martha, wherever I am, there is resurrection life. And that's why we can preach the gospel. We can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we know that dead men and dead women, dead boys, dead girls, dead spiritually, will be raised to newness of life if they trust Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I want to challenge you to repent and believe in Jesus one of the beautiful blessings of coming to know him is that his resurrection life lives within you what do you take away from a message like this a couple of things listen dear heart you don't have to fear death Jesus transformed through the gospel our fear for death. For the believer, death is not a grim ogre, but a passageway from this life to the next. Do you know it? 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The moment a believer dies, they come into the presence of God. It seems like the older I get, the quicker time flies by. Have have you had that experience? Those senior saints in here, we don't want to call anybody out, but uh, you got gray hair or no hair like me. The longer we live, it seems like the shorter Time flies by. The shorter we have left. But you know what? We've got a promise. We've got a hope in the gospel. And the last breath we take in this life will be the next breath in glory. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to fear death. D.L. Moody a revival in a great city. And he was talking to a group of pastors and he said, listen, one day you'll hear that old Moody has died. Don't you believe it. I'll be more alive then than I've ever been. And see, that's the great hope we have in the gospel. You'll be more alive then, right after you die. Take your last breath from this life. You'll be in the presence of God. You'll be more alive then than you've ever been. Second thing you see from this is, listen, you're really not prepared to live unless you're prepared to die.